Welcome, everyone, uh, to another episode of the Caterpillar Podcast. This week, with our guest, whose name I probably mispronounce, uh, what was it? Ula Horem? Yes, some, somewhere along those lines. So, welcome. Please <laughs> Thank introduce you. yourself. Thank you very much for having me here. And being a good uh, Österreicher, having a beer with uh, with your uh, <laughs> with the stream. Sorry, he's. I mean, that's that, that's a frequent feature on this podcast is Atam's beer glass. <laughs> yes, and uh, I, I'll even have a Santa hat this. <laughs> so. so thank you very much for having me here. I was, uh, was very flattered that uh, you asked me to join you. So look forward to our discussion today. It's our pleasure. So yeah, uh, the, the first topic is basically what recently happened is the new patch in our well, Christmas and New Year's celebration and all the stuff that came with it. So I guess everybody already saw the Santa gifts. I mean, we've talked about those when, when we had the dev blog news about them. You can now see the uh, drop rates, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, um, it's 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 definitely been one of the more positive changes, and probably the most positive change in the game over the last year. I agree. I am. I have been personally quite satisfied with the response level from Wargaming um, since probably uh, October. So obviously, things sort of became very dramatic in mid-August, uh, and there was a lot of. Um, Unfortunately, negative, uh, you know, press that came out of the CC situation, um, starting with Little White Mouse, and you know there were a bunch of triggering events from that. Um, and I kind of, I mean, having worked in tech for three decades, I kind of read that there. I don't know if there were some sort of organization changes at the top or whatever it was, but they're clearly, at least in my opinion, they they've kind of turned a new leaf. Uh, to be quite communicative and, and quite open about what they're doing uh, with a lot of different topics. And the drop rates is one, uh, I think, simple example. Um, I think our discussion about submarines may color that, so <laughs> those positive feelings a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, but generally I thought it's been quite good. I think this holiday season situation or um, particular update has been quite well received. At least that's my impression. Um, not just because of the drop rates, but because uh, I think Wargaming's been pretty, the opportunities have been pretty good. Um, you know, with the, you can spend the uh, New Year's certificates and containers and, and stuff like that. So I think it's, but this season has been received better than the previous season. Yeah, I, I, I would, I think, more or less agree with that. Um, it's been to put that into contrast, World of Tanks had their own miscommunication over their Christmas event, which led to them having to give a bunch of um, uh, shards and I can't remember what the other thing is, but like the thing they're doing for the, the Christmas decorations in the uh, uh, the, the home screen. And uh, basically they put the wrong word up, word up in the article for people buying the, the, the crates were thinking they weren't going to get any duplicates and then hastily had to change it. And that got a lot of people riled up before they mm. sort of went, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll refund the people that have been affected on that day. 
So they did, but, uh, you know, do the right thing. But it took them like two or three days to go, okay, mm-hmm. yes, we'll do the right thing. So it's kind of refreshing almost to not have any kind of stink around World of Warships around this at this time of year. Oh, yeah. Which I guess also brings us to to the next thing, the dockyard. I mean, it's it's grindy, but I feel like it's it's okay-ish. What what I've seen so far from, from the missions, I think it's okay. And the the repulse is a pretty good price for for as a the repulse yes. is something that you get for free, right? I mean, just even grinding as far as the repulse, I think, would be a good use of time for most people. Um, I'm I think got, I've gotten I, I bought the minimum number needed of the the dockyard missions, and then uh, I've done most of it so far. Like the vast majority has just been through the co-op battles I've been doing to knock mm-hmm. off my steel snowflakes. So I, I know it's the first couple of stages; it's not going to be that difficult. But uh, yeah, it's not it's not taken overly long, even in, in co-op so far. <laughs> Yeah, agreed. I mean, I think Wargaming learned a lot out of the whole Puerto Rico situation. Um, I think that, you know, offering a tier 10 as part of a grind would need to be more substantial than it would be for a tier 8 or for a tier 9. But I think um, my read is that Wargaming understood that they needed to make it more accessible um, for, you know, for these dockyard events. So I agree with Atom and, uh, you know, that the this particular uh, event has been – is you know, not onerous, um, but it's not, you know, a slam dunk either, and it shouldn't be. Um, and I th- and I agree with the observation that, um, you know, even if you don't want to put the doubloons in for the final, um, you know, state development stages to get the Marlboro, you can at least get the Repulse, which is a very respectable Tier 6 battleship. Um, the Dreadnought is nice for the historical value, but it's a little bit of a port queen since mm. you know we don't we don't play tier threes very often. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think otherwise, I think for the majority of players, it's going to be you know getting the repulses uh, is quite straightforward with some regular play. I was a little disappointed that if you already have Dreadnought, you get credit compensation instead of doubloons because it wouldn't have been a huge number of doubloons for a tier three, but. Oh well. Yeah, that's a pattern that we I think we've seen uh, probably in the last year or so. Is that with these events where you get things, uh, you know, you can earn ships for free. They've been issuing credits instead of doubloons. Um, I don't know if there's like psychologically some threshold, whether that's starting at tier eight that they start issuing doubloons again, or. But uh, yeah, I understand what you're where you're coming from. So. But otherwise, I think the the uh, update has been quite, like I said, been quite well received, and the dockyard event has been is is decent. So, yeah, I I mean, I personally, I don't even have an interest in the Marlboro, but I like that they finally put like a good or a, a and like the Repulse feels like a nice price. Obviously, I haven't played it yet, but from what I've seen, and there is. Uh, Oracle value and that like that that's a very nice ship that you can get for free and then if you go through the entire grind and pay some doubloons then you can get a tier nine premium. So and there was no no misleading like with the uh, Puerto Rico where they're like, hey you can get it for free. Oh no wait, not really. <laughs> yeah, so right. I'm I'm satisfied with it. Yeah. 
I mean, they're technically none of them are really truly free because you at least have to invest your time, right? So you yeah. have to make a choice, a personal choice, whether you're willing to invest the time. But for the players, but it isn't overly uh, excessive in the in the time commitments or the time requirements. Read. Um, now, I think the other, uh, I think, in my opinion, the highlight in a lot of ways of the update uh, beyond that sort of the New Year's events is the uh, really the uh, access to the new German battle cruisers. So I don't know if we want to talk about that as well. Yeah, it's basically the next that comes. I mean, the patch, and I agree. I mean, uh, I love brawling battleships. So I, I love the new German line. And I've been waiting for them now for, uh, yeah, like a pre like I got to the tier seven in the the early access stuff with with the bundles, and now I could unlock the tier eight, nine, and ten. And you know, I mean, the 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 tier ten is pretty strong. It's not quite as tanky as a core first, but it feels like it's more the damage uh, dealer of the brawlers, right? While the core first is more the tank. And I mean, we will see if there's some uh, some adjustments needed. If it's like too much with the second race, but so far I'm really enjoying the sleeve. I've not gotten that far yet, but yeah, I I, I think uh, another secondary battleship line was always going to be uh, like un- unless it was horrible to play. <laughs> Otherwise, apart from the secondaries, I think that was always going to be a, a fairly popular thing to do. And you know, they they have they have made them. Fairly fun to play overall, if that's that's your thing. Agreed, uh, and they've been very popular. In fact, I was uh, I'm a little concerned uh, that they're they might well they, everything's technically subject to nerfs, but I'm a little concerned that some of the ships will you know see some nerfs. Uh, just my personal opinion. I don't have any information, obviously, from Wargaming, but uh, you know because they are you know people are. Art, um, finding some significant success and are, are they too impactful in some ways? I don't know. Um, I think, you know, Atom, you made a good point about the, the armor, uh, the Schlieffen, you know, she has 27 millimeter bow and stern, but she also has a significant icebreaker uh, that gives her a lot of immunity to the big calibers uh, when she's bow on. Um, so, you know, uh, but, you know, broadside, they can be Citadel, not, easily but they they're not you know they don't have the turtle back so uh and i know for some players that can't that's probably come to a little bit of a shock that you know they they can't <laughs> survive the same way that the the core first can um that you know so that that will be um it's very interesting how that's panning up but i think generally speaking they've been exceptionally well received in fact it's funny you mentioned about uh jedi about having a second line that was sort of a second tech tree line that was secondary focused i think a lot of people were kind of hoping that the the alternative branch of the u.s navy mm-hmm. uh yeah. battleships is going to go that way right because they saw the georgia and the massachusetts and they were like you know maybe this is the direction right maybe uh, you know, maybe that we get the brawl, and they they went with the Tillman style that were sort of very slow with you know a lot of guns, uh, you know, and so I think quite a few people were uh, taken a little bit aback. We're hoping more for the Massachusetts Georgia experience or an Ohio experience. Yeah, I, 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 I yeah, definitely remember that at the time that uh, that seemed to be a fair few people were hoping that that would be something that would make up for how slow they are and instead they're one of the 
I don't have the least popular Battleship line, but one of the least popular ones. You don't see them all that often, and I think anyone playing through the uh, uh, the the what is it? They split off from the uh, is the Kansas is the terrain. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, like if you're playing through the, the 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 Kansas and the Minnesota, it really is only to get to the tier ten. Neither of them are especially. Uh, good at their respective tiers. So the 10, at least, tier 10 has got a pretty hefty broadside. But uh, yeah, it's it's kind of uh, like sometimes lines are niche lines and that's not a bad thing. Like I don't know, some of the, the Soviet destroyers or the, the French destroyers or mm-hmm. British light cruisers or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's not so much as I would say they're a niche line as they're just not very fun to play, and so nobody really <laughs> plays them. Well, they're very special, like you said, they're very specialized, right? And and players who understand the the play style that they're they're very much about careful positioning because they can't get themselves out of trouble, right? If they if they extend too far up a flank or whatever. Um, and uh, they have to, and players have to be able to aim very well. They have to understand aiming practices, right? And dealing with ships that are at significant distances that may be undergoing man, uh, maneuvers. And if you're, and there are battleship mains that are very good at playing that way and are able to exploit the uh, the benefits of these ships, like you said, especially with the tier ten with the Vermont. Uh, but yeah, I think for a lot of players, the that play style is very, very undynamic. Um, uh, you know, sort of very uh, can be seem very passive, and may not be very appealing for some players, especially and especially on the aiming front. If they are comfortable shooting at stuff that's within you know fourteen, fifteen kilometers, then okay. But these ships. You know, you have to be able to reliably hit things well beyond that. And you know, some players, you know, ha- are still learning that skill. Also, with like the slow speed, you always have a problem if you lack the map awareness because if you position like wrongly, you have no way to get out of there. Not not just to retreat, but also like if you, you see it so often that people go towards the flank, that's basically already won, and then they are sitting there, and then they have to go all the way back. And if you're like in a slow ship, you just are ten minutes like sailing without doing anything. It's certainly very, very uh, a very, very unforgiving line of. Uh... You know, making mistakes or even just getting unlucky and picking to go on a flank where all your teammates either sort of collapse or run away. And so it's like the the thing with, you know, you don't have to be faster than the bear, you just have to be faster than everyone else. <laughs> well, everyone else is faster than you, and so you get fed yeah. to the enemy team. Whereas, of course, right. the new German Valkyries have no such problem because they're all really, really speedy in comparison. Right, agreed. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because I remember when I played up through the uh, U.S. Navy battleship line before the split happened, and I got to the Colorado, and I actually quite liked the Colorado. But it's to Atom's point, um, the mo- in some ways the most important skill, and I've always felt this way, the most important skill in the game is situational awareness. Uh, but the, um, you know, I found that if I was able to moderate my positioning well, and be, you know, and almost be ready to retreat at any point, whether that's being in a kiting posture on a flank, and then, you know, as soon as I got to some position, um, you know, I found the gun systems very good. And, um, you know, her biggest issue was her speed. 
Um, but otherwise, I quite liked the Colorado. Um, but it's not, you're right, it's not something I would prefer to play every day, right? It's a very specialized play experience. So I liked the Colorado more before they took away its speed retention. That was a nice feature, though, <laughs> duking around and oh, yeah. dodging things. But yeah, like the, the the Colorado also suffers like most G seven battleships from the the overmatch because like most G seven battleships overmatch each other's noses, so it's uh, it's always uh, an interesting environment to be in. Mm. Great. Which uh, is all, also I I don't know if you have looked much at the armor schemes of the new Germans. Like the the tier nine's nose is just it's a death trap. Like for for you, the, for the Prince Ruprecht, or yes, the, the Prince Ruprecht's nose is just—it's you're basically a cruiser. You're like as soon as people figure that out, this ship is just not going to be popular anymore. You're gonna be eaten by everything. Right. Well, she does have an icebreaker, but it doesn't extend very high up the bow. It's, it's only a thirty millimeter icebreaker. Most ships will overmatch your icebreaker. That's that's well, yeah, the you, sad part. <laughs> yeah, you won't be able to bow tank the the three you know, the four thirty ones from the republics and stuff like that. But yeah, I agreed. Um, but for the four oh sixes and four twenties and the four tens, yeah. yeah, you can you can bow tank that to some extent. But it's not a very big icebreaker. Uh, by contrast, the Schlieffen has a very large icebreaker, and it's I think it's fifty millimeters. Fifth or sixth or something, yeah. Yeah, it's it's significant, right? So you have to get right over the top of that in order to get in to the uh, to get in through the bow. So basically, the Schlieffen is only really vulnerable to plunging fire from the front because the icebreaker extends so high. The stern is a different matter. So if you're trying to kite away with the Schlieffen, you better bring some lube. Uh, but <laughs> the the uh, Ruprecht is like in a really poor place because the 27 nose is not just, it, 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 it extends very far into the back. So if you are angling to use all of your guns, there's this huge area that basically everybody is guaranteed to, to like, well, uh, most battleships. There are some free 80s around which we are safe from, but once people figure this out, you, you won't have a good time. I have a feeling. The interesting part is the the Zeten, or that was what the tate was called, I think. Uh, aside from being hideous, it actually has a 60mm icebreaker. Also, small one, but it, it's better protected than the T9. Well, yeah, I, I don't know if that was a deliberate trade-off that the uh, Ruprecht was going to be like, um, you know, from a, a um, uh, an offensive perspective, was more capable than the Tetan, but the you know maybe it's like the Tetan is more the kiter, right? It's the it's the Nuremberg <laughs> yeah. of, of the uh, battleship line, right? So uh, I I hate the turret layout in a brawling battleship. You are like, hey, this battleship is supposed to push in and use its secondary, so let's have the firepower in the back. <laughs> well, although the the uh, the third turret, the Charlie turret, actually has very good firing angles. In fact, all of them do. That's part, I think that's part of the reason that you know, starting was it tier five with the de uh, Deflinger that the you know the rear turret is three sixty. Um, and it does give very good firing angles to be able to fire forward. Um, but you're right. That means that the Seton wind angle can really only get four rifles on its targets. So, 
Uh, on the other hand, I did like playing through the Seton, so I didn't find her her too onerous. I mean, she, she performed well when I played, or, or reasonably enough, but uh, it's just, I, I call it the paperback ship because it really just needs a paperback on top of this tower. <laughs> I, I, if it's, it's the most hideous ship that I've ever seen. The, I mean, yeah, from the front, from the profile, it's just, <laughs> it's not a looker. Yeah. Well, it was pretty clear that the, I, I suspect, this is again my personal <laughs> speculation, that Wargaming wanted to make sure, you know, like German battleships, they have a lot of superstructure that can be farmed, right? That's This has always been true, right? And they had to, and if they were going to have sort of this squat uh, hull, and, you know, how do you how do you retain the same amount of superstructure space to be able to get, you know, to farm damage from, Um you know, and so they, so I don't know, again, this is just personal speculation. I don't know if they just had to come up with something that just was just not very visually attractive, but. I mean, in this they case. Chosen, they could have chosen some nicer superstructure for it instead of that weird hypothetical Deutschland style triangle. Especially since it doesn't like really fit into the, the like the, the line is visually somewhat consistent mm. or otherwise, and then there is just this. It doesn't look like, like a battleship superstructure at all. It's just no, yeah, it's. It uh, but hey, uh, maybe they'll make a good skin for it at some time. No, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Make a Halloween skin that makes it disappear <laughs> or something, and make yeah. it invisible. <laughs> Just, just put the, like I don't know a giant mouth on it or something. Mm. Then, uh, anything else about the new battleships, or should we move on to some submarine tweaks? Oh, I, I could, I, I, uh, we kind of talked about Italian destroyers last week, but uh, mm. what, what do you think of them? I'm going to cop out and say, Mr. Blue Eagle. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah. All right. No worries. Yeah. Um, just don't. Call, yeah. Just don't call me low there. <laughs> but, well, to be fair, most, a lot of people see it as a leading L instead of an I. But um, the we, so, I mean, we were talking about niche ships. So <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, I guess my my I, I tend to hold judgment on things until I actually have a chance to experience. So my my professional background is as a mathematician and scientist. And so I tend to hold judgment on stuff like that until I have some personal or empirical evidence. Uh, you know, on paper, yes, they look very specialized. They look like they could be DD murderers. All right. They're sort of like, you know, are they going to be like the Paulo Emilios? Uh, but, you know, sort of toned down a little bit, obviously being tech tree. Um, I don't, so I, I just don't know. Um, uh, but it is, uh, I guess one thing I should say is I tend to enjoy new content and I know a lot of new content like subs and things like that tends, you know, or CV changes or whatever tend to introduce, uh, stress for some players. Uh, and I can understand why. Um, but, uh, I, so I don't have any particular anxiety about the new ships, uh, about the Italian destroyers. Uh, I quite like to see what they're going to be like. Uh, I think that obviously they're they're going to get through a, a variety of changes before they're released. But um, it should be, I, I think, 
you know, on paper, they look pretty interesting and they could be very dynamic. Right. And that, that to me, maybe more than anything else is where um, I, uh, I enjoy new aspects of the game is so long as they're dynamic, um, you know, they, they either invoke like new skill development or they require players to understand things, uh, you know, develop capabilities to play them effectively, um, you know, and that they're not sort of really static experiences, then I think they could be very successful. So, so I look forward to them. Yeah, I feel like a lot of it depends on what, what happens in testing with them, because right now they, I don't feel like they look like a complete package. They look like a weird mishmash and I'm not sure, like they look like you, you have like one YOLO in and hope that you do something before you die. That, that seems to me like a bit dying concept right now. That might change and we will see how it turns out in the end. But right now I'm a little bit suspect, but We'll see. I need to be yeah, tested I mean, first I... anyway. Yeah, excuse me. Sorry, go ahead, Kato. I cut you off. No, no. <laughs> go ahead. Oh, thank you. So, I, the, I mean, one, I don't know if it's a corollary, one similar situation is uh, with the new German destroyers uh, that were released at, you know, earlier this year. Um, I have hugely enjoyed those ships. Um, the, I consider myself a cruiser main. Well, you know, more than 50% of my games are in cruisers. Um, I really like that play style. Um, and I tend to prefer the long-range artillery play styles uh, of, the, of the Germans and French and Russians and things like that. Um, and to me, these, you know, had that very similar characteristic. Um, but the the... the I find that they are not they're not effective as true destroyers. I think people have already understood this for quite a while or they you know at least they have this rude awakening when they start playing them. Uh mm. they're they're long-range artillery cruisers. Um and they should be played as such, but it means that like if you are if you load into a game solo, I still, at least for me personally, I if I'm in solo and I'm like one of two destroyers on my team, my first responsibility is to play as best I can like a true, dis, you know, concealment destroyer. Spot, contest caps, you know, fight other destroyers. You know, that's kind of my, kind of my, those my, you know, stay alive, right? That, those are kind of the top four things that you have to do. Um, so I tend to prefer when I'm playing those ships to be in division with another player who is in a concealment destroyer and then I can act as backup, right? I can get relatively close to the cap, stay undetected, uh, but uh, be able to put my gunfire on anything that get, that lights up, you know, that my better concealed destroyer ally lights up. Um, and these Italian destroyers, are they going to be similar, that they are better played as sort of uh, support destroyers as opposed to sort of the, the, you know, being out front and doing the, the capping and spotting. I don't know. So that's, I'm just, just curious to see what ends up happening. It's, it's definitely a topic we've talked about previously uh, in terms of, you know, should, should they be kind of subcategories for things in terms of matchmaking? So, you know, you've got, you're like a stealthy destroyers and your non-stealthy destroyers and so you know each team has an equal number of each rather than it being like that situation where you say uh, you're forced into a, a role that the ship really isn't suited for just because 
you are the only destroyer or one of only two destroyers on the team. And it can be kind of frustrating if you're like a French destroyer that's built not at all for stealth and it's a domination map. And you can either try and go in the cap knowing that you're going to be outspotted by several kilometers or else Mm -hmm. you play how the ship's meant to be played, but all your teammates shout at you because, you know, noob DD, not capping, (laughs) not spotting, even though you are in no way built for such a thing. Right. Right, which is, again, the the consequence if you you choose to play alone and you take that ship, right, as opposed to being in a division where you can coordinate with an ally Mm. who maybe is in a concealment destroyer, and then you become the cruiser who provides very – you're a close support cruiser, right, which is cool – um, but you're, but you're right. It, exactly. It, it's a, it's a curious draft. And I actually, the, the French destroyers in my mind tend to be better, are better concealed. I tend to run them with a full concealment build. Um, and you're right. Most other concealment destroyers are still going to outspot them. Uh, but, uh, unlike the, the, when I play the Russian gunbow destroyers, then I don't care about concealment. I'm I'm a long range artillery cruiser. I you know the Khabarovsk has a nine point was it six kilometer detection. I'm like so what? Who cares, right? Um, but then again, like you said, I mean if you're not capping and you're not spotting that, well, spotting isn't so much an issue because you have a fourteen kilometer passive radar. You just firing your guns and see who fires back at you, and you just get to light up the entire flank. Um, but the um, but yeah, but the capping becomes a serious issue. So. Which is always why when you're in a Soviet gunboat destroyer or a French, in the best battle types are standard battles. Yeah. So you're like, yeah. I don't have to take anything, right? I can just run around and shoot stuff. That's all I want to do anyway. So Should we talk about submarines? Uh sure. <laughs> so there I have oh, well, I mean there are two things, right? There is one the death block and then there is the changes that uh, came with the patch. So, uh, basically, they, they added some things, uh, what was that? Uh, they added that underwater torpedo reticle. I haven't actually played submarine since the patch, I have to. You can now enter training battles playing as submarines. Uh, that's that's a change that I really like because you know so far you could never actually test things, right? When you, when they made changes and you'd wanted to see, okay, how does the new homing torpedo work? How does that work, right? And that's what they should actually be interested in. People testing things was denied to people that couldn't test things. This is something that that's that was much needed. <laughs> right. Great. Um, I don't know how well people have gotten accustomed to the two different torpedo types and, you know, under which scenarios, which type of torpedo is superior or not superior to the other. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, open questions around that. And I have, I played some uh, submarine uh, gameplay, not a whole lot. Um, I think there are people that are more um, adept at figuring that stuff out than I am. Uh, but I'm curious to see um, where. Well, let me let me take a little bit of a step back. So, like I said, I I, I generally like uh, new content coming to the game. I want the I want sort of the richness to evolve over time of the game. So, uh, generally, 
you know, changes by themselves don't cons- don't bother me. I, in fact, I, most of the time I welcome them. Uh, I find that the uh, gameplay interaction with with submarines is very uncomfortable for a lot of players, and I think it's there. They have a valid reason, right? Um, you know, with destroyers, you know, they too can be very concealed and have played well, can have significant influence on flanks, uh, and that's part of what they were designed to do from from day one. Uh, submarines take that to a different level and the interaction is more is uh, quite a bit different and I know for a lot of, and a lot of folks feel that the um, interaction is less predictable and less um, reliable and that bring you know and I think that valid you know that's a valid reason to be uncomfortable playing in games with subs because if there's a sub on a, that you know is on a flank but you don't know where it is and it's harder to find etc cetera, etc cetera, and how effective are destroyers really in combating them you know so that I think there's some big question marks there just a, in general with subs um it's clear in my mind that we're we're going intends to keep subs in the game that's their prerogative I'm okay with yeah. that um, you know, and they're clearly trying to find some, I don't want to use the term balance because I think that gets overused, but they're trying to find some way to car, you know, put them into the game in a way that the interaction is playable, yet they still have the, the, some, some element of the characteristics that Wargaming wants with them. Um, uh, but you know, obviously, they're experimenting right now, right? And that's and again, having worked in software development for you know three decades, I get it that they don't have enough people testing on the public test server, and they need to put this into the live server to get a real sense of what you know what's working and what's not. And I think that's okay. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll just have to you know we'll have to see how this pans out. But I I think there's going to be a lot of changes to come. Um, I think the pacing is good. I like how Wargaming has been very, been quite open about how they've been doing this, and they've been sort of pacing things in terms of of how they introduce changes. But I'm still not convinced at this point that they've found a niche for them that works well in the in mainstream game modes, especially like random battles. I just I don't know that it's been realized yet. Yeah, that that's kind of what what me sort of. It, it kind of pisses me off. The thing is that they have sort of actually already released submarines because they have kept submarines in the game since the first started testing. They haven't, what I was thinking at first when I said that we're not testing random battles is like they bring them in for like two weeks or so, they let people test it, they, then they give them out, they get a data. Because you need to analyze your data, right? First you need to collect mm-hmm. data, then you need time to analyze data. And while you analyze the data, you don't need to collect new data because, you know, you can't just constantly throw in new data anyway. So you test it maybe for two weeks or whatever, and then you go over what, what you've collected. Then you maybe collect some feedback and then you do some changes and then you try and test again. But they have kept submarines in the game, even when they already announced changes to them, even when they knew that what they were currently testing was an obsolete product, they kept them in game. And they kept them in game since introduced them and they keep them in game. And it's clear that they have no clue what they do to do with submarines. They don't know how the, the spotting should work. They don't know how the interaction with submarines should work. They don't know how counterplay should work. They don't know what submarines should be doing. This is basically at best a beta stage, maybe an alpha stage what submarines are in. 
and they are fully implemented in the game. They are part of all random battles, technically, if, if somebody plays them. They are easier to get now than when they will be released, because you don't have to grind them. Well, I mean, you have to do the missions, but you don't have to grind through line, you don't have to spend credits to buy them, and so on. You don't need a dedicated captain, because they are like premiums. It's like they are basically easier now to, to play than once they are released. They are part of fully into the game, and they are in a stage where they are absolutely not ready for that. And I understand that they need more data, but that's just like, you know, it's like taking a self-driving car that just crashes uh, every other day into some other car and be like, look, we, 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 uh, you know, the development in the lab isn't going fast enough. So we decided to just put self-driving cars on the road and, you know, you just gotta have some accidents. Sucks to be you. I mean, you joke about that, but I kind of feel like Elon Musk could be perfectly happy doing that. Yeah, but, you know, it's, uh, it's probably be stopped by some laws, hopefully. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a little bit of apples and oranges there because, you know, when you're dealing with, you know, electric cars, you're obviously talking about real property and real, you know, human safety and so on. But, yeah, I, I, get, I definitely get where you're coming from, uh, Atom, and and there are elements of that that I agree with. I Again, I, I also understand, you know, that... Um, the the biggest issue is the the is getting enough data in my mind. Um, I know that when I you know when I used to work on developing software that you know we would release content, new features, and um, we would have a pretty good idea about how the the content would get used. Uh, but we always found that even with the best of testing and regression, automated tests, and all the other things that we did, um, you know our user base will always find things that we didn't discover um, or we misinterpreted. And so, but, you know, I, inter I definitely get where you're coming from as far as once you have a body of data, why do they have to remain active in the game mode, right? Why, you know, why, you know, can we not get this data within, you know, a two or three week period, you know, during the, or and then we turn them off until we figure out what you know changes we want to make and then do it again. I don't know. Um, it's a good question. I don't know if they're under some sort of internal pressures to get these released by a particular date, and they need to be going full steam with the with the testing and just keeping them in all the time. I just don't know. So it's it's an interesting question. I I my biggest issue. Well, I say issue. My biggest concern is is really about the playability with them in the game. Because they're so different from uh, other game, uh, you know how we interact with other ships. That um, I that it's just the comfort level isn't there yet for them to be a regular part of the game. So they they also seem to be. I, mean, I don't know how you would get around this, but they also seem to be by far the most binary class. Like maybe as much as old mm -hmm. RTS style carriers in terms of uh, people of either been playing them enough to really know what they're doing and be good and effective and maybe a little bit scary with them or else they die within the first couple of minutes of battle and uh, i always get worried when i see submarine divisions but you know sometimes you'll have two people in a division and they're both in their subs and they both go and die in the first couple of minutes of battle it doesn't seem to make any difference so yeah it, it's it's interesting to me that you know they specifically moved away from the rts model to uh, get away from that you know that was one of the major driving factors and yet they've now introduced this class where it's shaping up to be one of the major 
um, you know, elements of of submarines is, is that kind of binary nature of them in terms of player skill. So, I mean, arguably they have less effect on a game than than all the RTS carriers did by far, but that's not to say they have no effect on the game. Right. I mean, just but their also, presence alone, right? Sorry, go ahead, Atom. Yeah, about uh, commenting on the binary nature, also... Uh... It's it's often that since they are single launch torpedoes, they will either miss everything or they will do, be devastating to your ship. It's very seldom that they do like chip damage. But even if you're fighting uh, a cars who has like massive amounts of torpedoes that do a lot of damage, if you are like angled correctly, oftentimes you just take one, which still hurts quite a bit. But you know, it's like but for subs with the single launch nature, it's very often a all or nothing kind of thing. Which also means that either the submarine is just gonna like death strike someone or really hurt them or it's just not not gonna do anything. Agreed. And I think that goes back to Jedi's point that, you know, there there's gonna be a much a very stark difference between, you know, can you play them or not effectively, right? Like you said with R RTS carriers, we saw a very similar sort of um uh player skill dynamic. Uh, and so I agree with you on that. I mean, I when I play subs, I tend to think uh, I'm more like a destroyer. My first jobs are to stay alive, to spot for the team and the cap. Uh, and I personally, I only submerge uh, when I have to. Um, like I'm under threat um, from being spotted, whether it's by planes or, you know, some other source. Um, you know, otherwise I try to stay on the surface. Um, you know, because I have maximum speed and maneuverability and I can spot for the team and, and, and sort of do a lot of area control. Um, I think a lot of people see subs as chaos makers, right? Or they sort of create this very, um, uh, unpredictable dynamic in the game and just their presence. So Jedi, back to your point around, uh, the subs, you know, whether, the, whether you're skilled or not, uh, just the fact that you know there's a sub in the game, and if you went to, you know if you suspect or know that the sub is you know in your vicinity, it suddenly changed the dynamics of the game for you. You know, right? if you're a surface ship, and 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 even if the player is very inexperienced, it does at least for a while it doesn't matter because you're you're you have this thing lingering in the back of your mind: Am I the next target for that sub? And maybe that's the intended uh, experience. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. But um, but I know that when I'm playing them, I tend to play them more like a concealment destroyer in a lot of ways. And, you know, because that's a mechanic I'm comfortable with or a process I'm comfortable with. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, maybe they're supposed to be more like the Asashios where they're just kind of go wide and dump torps and play very selfishly. I don't know. Yeah, they definitely, they don't, they are just quite a selfish class overall. Possibly one of the most like some some destroyers can be that way, but you know even if you're playing very selfishly, unless you're sailing around next to the cruisers and battleships, which occasionally you'll see a destroyer like you know a, a torpedo destroyer doing, uh, you you just it, it feels like you're giving far less generally to your team in a sub uh, unless you are playing like you are and and playing it like a destroyer almost and being on the surface the, the vast majority of the time. 
Right. And I, I personally have I've kind of liked that dynamic in some ways because it means I have a I have smokescreen available to me a, or a virtual smokescreen, which is going underwater pretty much at any moment. I, I'm not restricted other than my charge time, you know, and if I remain on the surface most of the time, I never exhaust my charge. Right. I, I mm-hmm. you know, back to your point, Jay, I routinely see players who launch in the game and subs and their first action is submerge. Because I'm a submarine. I'm like, no, it's like you're slower and you're going to use up your charge and not have it available to you when you actually need it um, to get away from a threat or, or whatever, right? So, um, yeah. I But again, part of this for me, having played the game for a long time, is I like to play t- to win the game, not because I'm like, you know, I, I'm not playing to, to for the rent money, as my one of my colleagues, Jimmy Jazz, says. Right, we're not we're not here to to you know pay the the monthly bills, but um, you know I still have a benign interest in winning the game. So I'm going to play and I'm going to apply practices that try to help win the game. And if that means I'm in a sub, I have you know my advantages are my concealment, and so that means you know spotting and capping and things like that. So and that's the best way I can support my team. But like you said, not you know there are probably a lot of players that don't view it that way. I feel like the problem is if you're trying to play like a submarine, like a concealment destroyer is often that if you are forced to like submerge, then you are sort of not, I mean, it depends on how much you need to submerge in a way, but when you have to go like really deep to, to disappear, then you aren't really doing anything anymore, right? You are, you are completely blind. You are cut off from everything and you can't like uh, torpedo anything and so on. If you're like a destroyer and you smoke up, I mean, in a, in a way, you're a bit more vulnerable, but you can still like use your torpedoes out of that smoke and you can very quickly leave that smoke and you can spot again. And you are somewhat nimble there to, to run away and such. In, in a submarine, it feels like once you're forced to defensively go down, oftentimes you aren't doing like then, then you slowly like turn around and try to sneak away and then resurface some of a hope that it's far enough away. And meanwhile, you can't really help much. So it feels like once once you need to to get out there and need to submerge, it just become rather useless for a prolonged period of time. You're effectively out of the game, right? You've taken you've temporarily taken yourself out as as if the the player isn't even in the game. So I agree. Which is part of the reason I, I when I do play them, I try not to put myself in positions where I, that's I'm that has to happen. Right, because I because then I'm very I'm very low value to the team. So yeah, that's what I when I when I've I mean I haven't played like the, with the recent patches set, but I've played submarines in various stages during all this testing. And what I've always found is when I try to like go into the cap, it's very like the problem is if if the cap gets threatened or if then the enemy destroyer pushes it close and so on, and I need to like get out or so. For a long time, I just do nothing. And if it gets really overrun, then oftentimes you, you have a really hard time because you, you're blind and you just try to sneak in somewhere in a direction and then I hope that nothing's there when you surface again. So, but if you do like the egoistic part and just like sort of go to a flank and do that, you can be more effective because you aren't under the threat of being, you know, sort of have to take yourself out of the game. So it's a bit weird because I always wanted to like more for objectives and back up you know my uh my destroyer or something but it can so quickly i think go wrong and force you to dive but you know i, I haven't played it that much i guess 
Well, but that's part of the skill development, right? And that's to yeah. me the positive aspect of this, right? Whether it's subs or anything else, when there's new content, there's new opportunities to learn how to play those well and have a positive influence for your team. And that, that part is appealing to me. Um, but that the, the issue to me right now is the interaction is so, um, uh, atypical or on, you know, so unusual compared to what the whole, the game has been about since, you know, since 2015. So, and earlier. Oh, I mean, you know, the, the original conception of the game, if we can, kind of, you know, say explicitly did not have subs in it at all. They are very definitely a later edition. Um, sure. Just, uh, what was it we were talking about in the previous one? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, parasitic game design is what we were talking about. So, yeah, they, they kind of fit into that category almost. Of a, you know, a later edition that's there primarily to provide content rather than actually something that fits in well with the game overall. Right, and Rich is... So now they're trying to make it fit in with the game somehow, hence this very protracted period of uh, changes and testing we're going through. Yeah, they just don't really fit that much into the core system. Also, like, I guess we can spend that talk to, to, like, the public test changes to anti-submarine armament and submarines. Like, because the, the normal... Thing like detect them, shoot them like you do with ships doesn't quite work. So obviously that's the the anti-submarine warfare, and they are heavily changing in a way how that works. Basically, they make anti-submarine warfare less powerful, but also only have one charge, and submarines will be able to. Well, they they'll get more hit points basically. So while they talk about things like that that. Uh, in order to guarantee dealing damage to submarines when given the correct lead, while at the same time keeping the effectiveness of the armament at the same level, we increase the area of damage and maximum of damage charges and blah, 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 blah. But when you read to, to the changes overall, you just realize that those words are not actually what they're doing. They are just nerfing anti-submarine warfare because they want submarines to survive. Well, and again, this may be a reflection back to some of Jedi's point uh, that you know the you know there may there's this big skill gap probably between you know eighty to ninety percent of the players who they just haven't they haven't been able to figure out subs and the ten percent that like have already mastered it right and are very effective and you know wargaming is trying to figure out how do we make uh, the comfort level on planes subs uh, better. Uh, at least in words, it's suggested that they're trying not to increase the level of influence, but I, I, yeah, I'm not sure where this is going to end up going. Again, I, I kind of want to hold judgment until I can see empirically what's actually happening. Um, I, yeah, we'll just see. I, but on the surface, I agree with you. I, it just, it, it feels like, um, they're giving too much advantage to the subs. Um, they're putting more onus on the surface ships to be able to make their anti-subware, anti-sub warfare drops, uh, you know, make them on target. So that if you do get them on target, then they're very effective. But it that that stipulation is there. You have to know how to aim and predict where the sub is going to be, um, and that and that's not. You know, is that really going to pan out here? I don't know. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I I can definitely see on the surface level that's uh, no pun intended that this is uh, feels like the the subs are going to get the lion's share of the of the advantage, or the players who play uh, subs are going to get the lion's share of the advantages. But again, all of this comes down to they're trying to figure out where that you know where how they fit in in a way that's like you know passable at least. Um, and so they're going to, they're going to continue to experiment, I expect. So. I, I do think we're, it, you know, we're, we're going to be in for a, probably a, a long period yet of lots and lots of changes to submarines generally overall, like the, the concept of submarines as opposed to individual balance changes for individual subs. Uh, which is it, it's almost um almost feels to me more like like um i don't know if this is a correct comparison really but uh uh the way they change things in in war thunder um it seems uh, like ships tend to be relatively stable in world of warships and you do get changes to individual ships but uh at the moment with the way they are they are doing things. I mean, in, in War Thunder, they are if 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 anything else, uh, Gaijin is more spreadsheet driven even than uh, than wargaming is, and so you end up with some very odd balancing decisions based on well, we want we want to get these things to a certain win rate, kind of, uh, and not really taking into account then the individual stats and how fun a vehicle is to play. And so, yeah, it feels like we're in that mode with submarines where they're going, we want this number of people playing, we want this win rate. And the actual um, balance of subs and and the, the play experience of subs is, is sort of secondary to that almost. If that makes any sense at all. No, it does. I mean, and it, to be fair, and I'll just be blunt, it's a business, right? And so that, and the, there are business targets associated with this. They've made a huge monetary investment to develop subs, right? Or any content. And they probably have, and they, in fact, if you're running business effectively, you're going to have uh, business objectives, you know, money basically. Uh, that uh, targets that you're going to want to associate with those investments. And that's just, that comes with the territory. Um, and so, yeah, I think that they're like, there could end up being, uh, you know, I agree with you that there's going to be a lot of adjustments uh, from a class level, um, you know, to be able to hit those targets, but also not, hopefully not intrude on the game so much that they start losing player base in other areas. Um, that they drive away so, they, is so negatively impactful in other areas that it ends up being a net negative for uh, for the business. So yeah, I don't not sure they figured that out yet. Well, I think that's a great analogy, Jed. I agree. I think we're going to be on the submarine seesaw for quite a while yet. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, in other changes other than anti-submarine warfare, they've obviously they've drastically increased the hit points, so they're basically now destroyer level hit points, and they have they have really increased the duration of the pings, right? So the US ships will now have a ninety second ping duration with a double ping, and the, yeah, the Germans seventy five seconds. Ping, yeah. yeah, but it's and, the double ping; it's not the singles. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's the doubles. So it requires some skill, obviously, to get the double ping. But once you have that double ping, it's like it's not going to run out. It's like you either damage combat or it's not. 
if I dodge the additional pings, now that I know a submarine is pinging, I can probably, you know, maybe a uh, uh, ping will run out before the torps arrive. It's not happening anymore. Agreed. It, it yeah, is it's... a pretty big buff overall for subs, these changes with the the effectively making it harder to hit them with the uh, the most effective anti-sub weapon, which is the airdrops. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, depth charges and then getting a survivability survivability increase in hit points to boot at the same time and getting the increase in the uh the the, the double ping length so you know they're more likely to be able to do uh damage so it's 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 gonna be a big gift for those people that are already you know have figured out how to be effective in suffs I think the double ping comes from, like, there was the recent change where basically you can, like, ping one ship and then top at that and ping another ship and they, the tops will continue to the ping they locked on, right? And then you can send additional tops to the new ping. And I, I presume that they made the ping duration, like, this long so that you can actually do that without, like, then you can't refresh the ping on the first ship, right? So the way they, they changed how the pings works, if you want to ping two ships and top both of them, you can't refresh the ping on the first ship. But now it's just going to make the ping last long enough that you can double ping, launch like three torps or so, and then find a new target for your other torps. Yep, perhaps. But yeah, bottom line is that they're obviously, well, it seems to me that they're trying to make subs more appealing, and more comfortable to play. But the net effect is going to end up being, you know, are they going to be too influential? And they're just going to increase the level of discomfort surface players, surface ship players have um, trying to play against submarines. So, I don't know. We'll have to see. But, yeah, there's going to be, I expect there's going to be a fair amount of turbulence before we settle down to something that's going to be, you know, you know, playable or at least passable. Turbulence is definitely a good word for it. Yeah, I don't know. I again, I I tried not to be too judgmental on this stuff. Um, uh, you know, I, I know people get very feel very strongly about things, which is good. I try to be a, a some, somewhat more measured in in my views. Um, but yeah, that's just me. I mean, it's always good if and take a step back and with less. I mean, you're being more rational if you are less emotionally invested, generally speaking. Sure. Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't. I have. I've had some very negative sub, you know, experiences playing against subs. Um, and uh, I've a couple of times I've been like on my own stream. I've had uh, opposing players know I'm streaming. And I'm effectively being stream sniped, right? And I'm I'm playing, and I end up basically just spend the whole time running away from the sub. Um, and you know that's that's no fun. Fortunately, it hasn't been very often, uh, but I can see you know that tells me like if this is going to be typical of the experience, not the stream sniping, but you know if you're you know if you're the target of a sub, and you have no countermeasure against it. It, that just takes a lot of the enjoyment out of the game. So, yeah. Speaking of countermeasure, right? I will no longer see them now at periscope depth. That's also been removed. Yeah. Again, I see all of these changes as going. They could go either way. They could say we made a mistake. We shouldn't. You know, we shouldn't have increased the HP pool, or we're gonna. You know, expand the influence of you know airdropped anti-sub warfare. Uh, 
all of this, all of this again is subject to change. All right. And I don't know if they're sort of swinging the pendulum one way or the other, and they're trying to like narrow down where they want that pendulum to fall. I don't know. So. Yeah, it feels like they are still pretty much in the big swing, like in the, the early test phase where you like, you try something and then you radically change it towards the other side because they, they are not close enough that they can fine tune it. They are just really in an early stage of submarines. It feels like to right. me, right? They are just yeah. heavily trying everything they can think of and see what sticks. Yeah. Well, and, and again, we talked about this at the beginning. I mean, to, to Wargaming's credit, and this is something I'm offering, is they're at least being communicative about what they're doing. Even if you disagree with what's going on, at least they are communicating what it is, right, That what their plans are. And, you know, the rationale, and you may disagree with the rationale, that's okay. Um, but I, I'd rather just, I, at a minimum, I'd rather have the communication. It is their game to change as they wish. Um, and I recognize this, um, but, you know, that we also have the choice to not play the game if, if we don't like, you know, where it's going either. So. Yeah, I'm, I think we can conclude submarines here or does anyone have anything to add to the topic? Not really. Just, just wait to particular. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, especially given the significance of the changes that they're planning for zero eleven zero. Right now, what we're seeing with with subs, it's like I don't care about anymore because this this is all going away in a month. Yeah. So then uh, something else that has happened recently is so the, the new patch brought some new bugs and one of them has already been fixed. Soda. Uh, so, I mean, that's good news, right? So I reacted very quickly. You might all be aware there was the bug with the ability expert that just gave way too many hit points to uh, different parts of the ship so that would no longer be um, depleted as they should have been. And they actually, credit to Wargaming, they reacted rather quickly. And I think on Europe today was the hotfix. Yeah, and it went to to North America as well, I think, uh, this morning. So I actually did hear the date. Yeah, the the hotfix should should be applied now. But what they have said is that they actually changed... How Survival the Expert works in a sense. So Survival the Expert does now add additional hit points to to certain parts of the ship, but in in uh, moderation or how should we say this? In it 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 now adds like what they just said. Destroy with about two thousand two thousand five hundred hit points in the bow section and roughly twenty thousand hit points in total. The increase in the bow section would be about four hundred hit points. So it now adds a little bit to to each section, but not you know, not the whole amount. Yeah. So, it, so yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Atom. Yeah, I just want to say. So in essence, it's gonna be not as good as it used to be, but it should be an improvement again. So we'll be the expert should help now instead of harming you. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, they, they, to a large extent, they've addressed the, the unintended nerf. But it, I think mathematically, it will still, I'm still concerned that there's going to be some sort of effective nerf 
influence here and and here's why because the 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 survivability expert uh, the way it used to be applied all of it to all the hp increase to the hull uh and now or to the main part of the hull and now they've and and they've said for consistency to be consistent with other uh sort of hp influencing characteristics of the game like an arms race and things like that they've now proportioned the addition throughout all the major parts of the ship. Okay, that I think out of logic perspective makes sense. But the the consequence, I think, is that, it, for example, the, the bow example they said where they increased the hit point pool of the bow, let's say on a 20,000 hit points uh, um, uh, destroyer to buy, you know, by 400 hit points means that that bow takes more damage and subtracts more damage than it used to. Uh, before it reaches saturation, uh, and so by you know it, just from a pure math perspective, it kind of feels like this is going to be uh, not fully restore it. It is like you said, it's going to largely fix the bug, you know, eighty percent or whatever in terms of the the level of influence it had, but it's it's not going to be as restorative as if they just went back to what they had originally. Now. I'm sure Wargaming will look at this and they'll analyze the data and find out, you know, if subs see an appreciable decline in their survival rate uh, with this skill than what they had previously, maybe they increase the amount of HP per tier that the skill provides rather than it being, what is it right now, four, you know, 400, I think it is for destroyers or 350 for destroyers maybe they make it 400 so i don't know we'll ha we'll have to see where this ends up going but i agree with you that they've been they were very responsive and uh, they made the right call on that so yeah it's interesting that they basically they had a bug and they fixed the bug but they were like wait a moment instead of just fixing the bug why don't we change how the skill works in the process I mean, maybe it was something that that in, when they were already working on that code and they had already plans to do it in the future that they snuck it in right now. But it's also a bit weird because I don't think I've seen anything about that on like the the news pages, and I have seen that here on Reddit. But like when you actually change a skill, you'd be expecting the information to be spread a bit more than just in in a in an obscure Reddit post where they say, "Oh, if we fixed the bug, but by the way, we changed the skill in the process." Yeah, and which makes me wonder whether um, they actually made a change for zero ten eleven, where they intended to dis to proportionally distribute the effects of survivability expert, and they just coded it wrong. And again, this is just personal speculation. You know, I don't know. Uh, and then, and that this was actually what they're implementing now, releasing now, is actually closer to what they had originally intended. But then, like you said, why wouldn't they have disclosed this even in the release and either in the development, uh, development blog or meaning as part of zero 10, 11, we're going to change how survivability expert works. I don't know. I, again, all this is just purely speculative, but yeah, it is curious how they ended up getting resolved. So. I mean, what I could see is that they had plans of changing that skill in the future and they started working on the code, but it wasn't finished yet and it got accidentally like implemented and it wasn't done yet. And then they were, and now that they fixed it because 
I, okay, I mean, code is obviously complex and sometimes you change one thing and unintended consequences happen. But like a bug like this to happen, it feels like they might have worked on this part of the code somewhat and they never announced anything about it because it was planned as a future change and they just like pulled it for now because of an accident. I mean, I guess we'll never know, but... Right, so somebody merged yeah. the main and didn't mean to, it wasn't supposed <laughs> to or whatever. Who knows, right? Exactly. So... Then there is an update on the indestructible modules, which is, I mean, it's a bug. Bugs need fixing, but honestly, it's one of those bugs that I'm not actually mad about. But yeah, obviously, bugs need fixing. And right. Well, yeah. And if you're in a ship that benefits from this, then great, you have a buff for an update. <laughs> and and then, then after that, who cares, right? So... So they 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 are afraid that the fix will destroy the game, so they delay, basically. Which is probably a good idea. Well, again, were there other changes that they made in the update, and this was a bug that they didn't review, they were didn't discover, and they don't want to mess with it further because it's too, uh, you know, it's too risky. So that I definitely would respect their decision on. Um, in this case, um, but yeah, I, I think this affects the uh, um, ship torpedo systems as well. Am I mistaken? No, those are probably main part of main armament, so maybe those aren't impacted. So, I know the AA mounts and some of the other some of the others are and secondaries. Yeah. I think are the ones for sure uh, are. And so, if you're in a secondary build battleship or an AA spec ship, you're very happy for this update. <laughs> so. I have to say I haven't lost my torpedoes yet on the new German since the patch, which is surprising because if you are if you know like a tear pits or like a Pullman, by the time you get in torpedo range you usually don't have torpedoes, so <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Maybe they are affected too, who knows? Uh it then about... reminds me of, this is Sorry. a complete aside, but uh I don't know if either of you played Payday Two, but there was going back a couple of years, there was one uh, a patch where they put out a, a there was a melee weapon that there was some kind of um, there was like a negative value where uh, it, it basically if you put in this melee weapon you could get uh, the maximum stealth bonus even if you were carrying like a rocket launcher and so it, it made for a very very silly day of uh, doing the, the different heists with very very silly builds and I was kind of sad when they fixed it almost immediately but, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Which so game was this? Like Payday 2. It's like a co-op oh, Payday two. shooty oh, okay. game where you I do see. prime heist stuff. It's it, I see. It's kind of left for dead, but with cops instead of zombies, essentially. I see. I see. Okay. So on the topic of bugs, I haven't seen any mention of it here yet, but have you guys noticed or have you also had the problem that sometimes you hear random sonar pings when you shouldn't? Yes. It's like, even if a ship's already been sunk, I have no idea what triggers this, but it's like weird because sometimes you just, you move around and you hear this ping and you panic and then you realize, wait, that there is no submarine. <laughs> right. Or the subs on the, is detected on the other side of the map. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if the, this was intended to be an audio cue. Again, this is for the, the countermeasure question for surface ships to be able to know that there's a submarine operating in your area. Um, you know, even if you haven't detected it and the way it got coded, it's, you know, present on the entire map at all times. I don't know. It's a good question. 
but yes, I've heard, I've heard, I certainly have experienced this, no, this, uh, I've only, I think I've only observed it when subs have actually been in game, but I have noticed that like, I hear it, like, even when the sub isn't anywhere close to my ship. So. And even if you're sunk, you still hear it. Oh. <laughs> communication to the dead apparently or something well i mean you know I, your ship's on the bottom of the sea the subs down there so exactly and so the ping is you know rebounding off of the hull of your ship that sink that sunk into the ocean actually that's an interesting question I, uh as part of the ambiance are they actually gonna uh i'm just thinking of the, of this now is are they gonna have the ships that are sunk actually continue to remain physically in the game? Because today what happens is as soon as they essentially drop a flow below the surface, they disappear, right? So they don't interfere with the navigation of surface ships. Uh, but now with subs, does it mean that the hull actually becomes, sink? you see it sinking to the bottom and then it actually becomes part of the terrain that's think, uh, at the bottom? It, I think once it hits, it, it like sinks below the bottom. Or I, I don't, I, I haven't paid that much attention to be honest. But I don't think the wrecks stick around on the bottom of the of the water, sadly. I see. I, I think they just disappear right now. But there was in in a visual Q and A they did. I think a while back there was a question about it, and they at least said something. I think about different sinking animations and so on. So I think they're considering doing more with sinking ships now that there's an underwater. But that that's probably something for the future that they haven't quite planned yet. So, uh, other changes that have been announced are changes to test ships and Soviet carriers, which is a bit of a clickbait title because there aren't really any changes to Soviet carriers yeah. other than they've, there's some camera things. And honestly, I feel like the, the high tier Soviet carriers are overperforming, so there should probably be changes, but I would have been very surprised if any actually press things like that. The one thing I did find interesting from this, and I don't know if we've had this information elsewhere, but they talk about the alternate firing mode on the Canarius, which means the Canarius is going to get one of these uh, burst fire things that for now are only on the uh, the super ships. So oh. that's, you know, on a low tier ship, that is going to be kind of interesting. Let's say the, the, the main battery reload is being... Uh, in alternate firing mode has been increased from 40 to 50 seconds. So you use it, but you're going to be then out of commission for almost a minute. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's, it's when they have, even on the super ships, right? I have, at least on the super ships, I have not been uh, particularly impressed with that, uh, with that mechanic. Uh, maybe I'm using it wrong, uh, but I find it very, uh, on the Zorki, which is the uh, Russian uh, destroyer, it really hasn't impressed me, right? It's like, oh, I get to fire all these shells for a few seconds, but then I can't fire anything for a, a long time. I'm like, I mean, other than maybe some specialized situations where, like, I really need to get those last few shells in to try to secure a kill, I don't know that I would ever want to implement that alternative firing mode uh, for the super ships. So it, it kind of it feels almost redundant given the main battery reload uh, boost consumable also being in the game. I mean, it, it's effectively giving the same thing. It's giving a burst of damage. 
I mean, it's a bit like of more a of a burst, and it yeah. comes with a downside, while the reload boost yeah. is sort of a straight up buff. The, 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 the problem well, is... Well, you, you say that. I mean, yeah. we've had like the, the ones with the reload booster tend to have a slower base rate of fire compared to their contemporaries. Fair enough. But what yeah, I'd but say to is... Have your gun... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Adam. Sorry. Uh, what what I'd say is that the, the alternate fire mode is only useful if the salvo finishes, right? And it, this is always a gamble, because if it doesn't finish the enemy off, then you are put yourself in a worse position. So you have to gamble, is this enough to finish it off? Then you can go to the alternate fire mode and you can throw out that burst. But it's pretty much a niche case, and it's a bit of a gamble at times. Yeah, it, that's what I was saying, it, like with the super ships, I, I just haven't seen enough value with it. It, it, um, it almost feels like they've they've just looked at the various autoloaders in World of Tanks and gone, what if we had that <laughs> in World of Warships where, you know, you get this burst of damage and then you have a really long reload. Which, you know, works in World of Tanks, uh, can be quite effective with things like the French heavy tanks and the, the American autoloaders where you just get that really high burst of damage. But the the amount of damage you're outputting compared to uh, an enemy tank's hit points is, you know, it's a way higher proportion compared to World of yeah. Tanks. Right. So therefore, it's, it's essentially a, an assured kill, right? Yeah, in tanks, right? Well, it's especially in in the late game that they can become especially uh, deadly, just because everyone's got fewer hit points. So you can run around and two shots there, two shots there, two shots there in rapid succession, and you know you've killed a couple of enemies. Um, so yeah, but it just feels like it has way less of that utility in in warships. On yeah, the like other I mean, hand, I, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. go ahead. Well, I was going to say, on the other hand, with the uh, with the Satsuma and the Hanover, the you know the their buffed capabilities to me, I found as genuinely useful. Right? Mm. Who doesn't want a super Kurfürst with you know fourteen kilometer range secondaries? Right? Yeah, and yeah. So it to me, it's. Um, you know, for those, it, it seemed to be, it seemed to be pretty clear. The Ahagi, I'm not so much uh, not the Ahagi. The um, what's the uh, ter- the Japanese destroyer super ship? Um, having a mental blank on the name, but uh, the super, the Japanese super ship. I want to say Yamagiri. The, is that right? Yamagiri. Wow. Thank you. Yes, Yamagiri. I knew it was uh, begin with Y. Um, she, uh, you know, the alternate uh, torpedo mechanism. Uh, can provide some interesting, you know, alternate torpedoes can provide some interesting choices, but, um, but yeah, but for the Zorki and the, the Conde and the, the Annapolis, I just, I haven't seen the value there. It's very niche case. I think there are some, some situations where, where it would work. Yeah. I'd much more be interested in things like, like changing torpedoes. That that's something that has a lot of potential. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, we've got um, uh, someone in the chat saying that, you know, other people have considered it to be very, very useful. And yeah, if you can get to that position where you are uh, able to output a burst of damage where you've got almost a guaranteed hit on somebody's citadel, then yes. But, you know, that's how is that any different from having a reload booster in the Jean Bar or... Uh, one of the you know one of the French destroyers, and you've got a broadside British light cruiser, and you're just kicking out the, the reload yeah. boosted shots. You know, exactly. it's not really. It's just a different flavor of the same thing in my eyes. Right. Great. 
But I guess it's more effective than like you're getting a higher burst than you would be, say, with the um, the, the French heavy cruisers with the, the reload booster. Uh, maybe to an extent, but again, with the super ships, then your your guns are out of commission hmm. for a significant period, right? Whereas with the you know the French ships that have the reload booster, they go back to their normal reload cycle. Right, which is still going to be better DPM than having your guns, you know, inoperative yeah. for forty seconds. Right, I'm like, why would I want this? Right, so I almost feel it would have been better instead of just having this period of complete downtime. If they'd um, had, well, you know, you get forty odd seconds of a slower reload, and then it goes back to your base DPM level rather than just nothing for 50 seconds or however long. Yeah, I mean, like in in World of Tanks, it's obviously that you have your autoloader, right? You're probably hiding somewhere. You just quickly move out of cover. You shoot your shells and you go back Mm -hmm. in cover and then you have time to reload. But World of Warships is a game where most of the time you are just constantly like exchanging gunfire. You're not quickly peeking out from an island, shooting once and going back. This is just not really how World of Warships works. So the autoloader doesn't seem to work that well. It's like really just if, if for one second you see a broadside and you only have that moment to shoot, there are niche cases where it can work. But for the most part, it just, it's awkward. So it might get some changes and refinement. You know, these things are definitely not finalized yet. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, this is, again, an experiment, right? And that's okay, yeah. right? I'm okay with that, right? I just, then it, but you're right. I mean, they're going to look at the data and they're going to say how effective were these ideas and, you know, that they produce satisfactory, you know, results from a damage output or, you know, gameplay experience. I don't know. So. Yeah, the the interesting thing with zero eleven zero they've announced on the on the um, developer bulletin is that uh, they're now going to look at bringing in the super ships into uh, random battles. Mm, yeah, uh, but they're not going to treat them as tier ten, right? So they're effectively tier eleven. Yeah, uh, in, in my view, uh, and because I mean, unless I suppose fail div, you'll you know only tier nines and tens will see them. Um, you know, and. I personally am okay with the new content. Uh, you know, who doesn't want to play a Hindenburg and know that you can farm an extra twenty-five to 50,000, you know, damage off <laughs> of a Satsuma or a Hanofa, right? It's like, cool, right? My average damage gets to go up. So um, so that, that part doesn't really uh, bother me too much, so. I mean, I... I've said this in the past, I think, but I have no problem with tier 11, right? You just, uh, the, the thing is that the lower tiers aren't getting played these days. You don't find players if you try anyway. So basically the game these days is tier 5 to tier 10. Maybe tier 4 as well. If you play something though, you're probably playing with bots most of the time. So just extend it on the top maybe. And it's also like tier 10 gets too cramped. And the, if, if they could push stronger ships to a tier 11, then the balancing might improve. It all depends on how the tier 11 is done, right? If it's uh, sure. if it's balanced. But the base concept, I'm fine with. Right. Well, and, th- and then the interesting thing is that th- it's all surface ships, right? So there's no, there's no super carriers. There's no 
Uh, there are no super subs, right? So, and, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and people, yeah, it's okay. Now I'm sorry. I'm not trying to seed them with ideas, but, but the, um, you know, I think if they introduced, you know, mechanics on the, so it's clear that they aimed the special capabilities of these tier 11s to be some, some sort of enhancement to, uh, artillery or, you know, or their regular sort of surface action capabilities, right? If they had done something like, we're going to introduce, you know, heat seeking rockets, right? That, you know, we started <laughs> that start. No, I, you know, that these, you know, this was legitimately introduced in the U.S. Navy after World War II. They realized that sort of traditional artillery was, you know, passe. And, you know, so they started, you know, they started taking a lot of these ships, the Cleveland classes and the, the sub variants like the, uh, the Fargo classes and things like that and started mounting uh, uh, torpedoes on them. So, oh. Okay. Sorry. My wife was letting me know something. So, um, yeah. So if they hadn't done something really dramatic like that, where they said, you know, your ship can get taken out by a heat seeking missile at, you know, from 20 kilometers away, then yeah, for sure. <laughs> that would not have been received well. So. We get, we get, you know, the, uh, you know, submarines with with like the the what was it the Regulus or whatever the first sub cruise missiles were and stuff like yeah, that. Exactly, exactly. <clears throat> I mean, the reality is this: that most of the uh, surface artillery ships, the cruisers and battleships during World War II, their mo their artillery was used for shore bombardment. That was like ninety plus percent of their function. Um, they were mobile artillery platforms. Yeah, That's there were some battleships too. Like that, that was their entire career almost in terms of yeah. shots yeah. fired. Yeah, Sur surface combat between ships, other than like destroyers, were probably a little more the exception. But other than you know, but for the big capital ships, any sort of inter sort of capital ship engagement was quite rare. Yeah, I mean, they even like in the early days of warships, they tried this. How was the game mode called? They tried the game mode where you had like those forts that, that need to oh, be destroyed. Yeah, it never quite worked out. And then they dropped the idea again. Right, right. Well, yeah, and, and I think I think they figured that out relatively quickly, that that was not going well. Especially the, when the, the forts actually had pretty strong alpha and decent accuracy. And yeah. if if you were in a cruiser and were being targeted by one of these... It can take you out, and and you know, so you had to put some priority in taking and taking out the uh, the the ins the uh, installations. Yeah, I feel like it would take a lot of effort to make something like that work, to to get it right. Where how what the range should be, what the balancing should be, how the spotting should work, or things like that. And it'll probably require more team play than the usual World of Warships team is willing to do. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, which is why I think it can work okay in like operations, because in operations oh, yeah. you do have sh short, you know, short batteries. So there's a cat rolling around on my desk at the moment, <laughs> ordering. I was going to ask you, what's the name of your cat? Uh, Sam. Oh. He's actually just been to the vet today, but I think he's recovered already. Oh, that's right. You did post on your on yeah. your uh, Twitter account. You did tweet about that. Did he get vaccinated? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's had he's, he's had his COVID booster. Uh, no, he's, he's got some kind of um, possibly a UTI. 
So mm. they just gave me some antibiotics to give to him. So. I see. Got it. He's feeling well enough to roll around on my desk and be disruptive anyway. Okay. Cool. Pull up my sleeve. You're helping, aren't you, Sam? Mm. Of course. Can't so very helpful. So, Atom, I know that you post uh, your cats or post pictures of your cats quite often. I, you'll forgive me. What's the name of Because you have two cats, correct? Yes. Yes, there is and Whiskey. What, what are their names? Uh, Whiskey? Whiskey is one. He's a male cat. He's currently residing in a box behind me. And uh, then there's Sabrina. Sabrina is a female and has three, uh, three colors. I see. So, uh, in other news, uh, there are some additional visual improvements coming, which is something we are all probably looking forward to because they look amazing. They do look good. Um, you know, it, it seems pretty clear that so tanks, I think, and Jenna, you can speak to this better than I can, but I know tanks, you know, they basically did a rewrite when they introduced 1.0. Oh, and yeah, they, yeah. They, uh... did all the, they did all these visual improvements, and it seems like uh, ships is going through a it's cycle of visual improvements, but they're not uh, they're not re re implementing on a new engine. Yeah, yeah, I exactly to a less dramatic did, right? extent, I would say. Yeah. Um, it, it was pretty. It was a pretty big change in in World of Tanks, and they did it in a fairly gradual manner. So I think was it in patch nine point uh, They changed a lot of the the maps, but it, it took a fair while before they had all the actual tank models done into HD as well. Right, right. Which I kind of wish we yeah. were going through a similar process, and they've, they've talked about, um, was it in the Discord Q&A or somebody asking about how come some of the older models still look kind of crummy compared to the newer ones? And I, I wish they were going through a deliberate refresh process instead of it being like seemingly a very low priority thing that may or may not happen at some point. I think it just comes down to where do you where do you invest your your money yeah. uh, from a development perspective, right? We'll so as again. you pointed out, relatively few people play below certainly below tier four, and even tier four, it's not super common. There's Sam. Hello, Sam. Um, yeah, so they you know you have to make a choice. You know where are you going to invest your money um, for the, for that type of thing? But I mean, I think we can all. The the one department that seems to get pretty universal praise is the art department for mm -hmm. war uh, for warships, right? And I think rightfully so. I mean, sometimes they've had some kind of duds, uh, like the Seton, um, yeah. you know, in terms of you know some some of the modeling. But uh, the but you know ninety nine percent of the content they come out with with the skins and the camos and the the you know the visuals on the ship designs, they've really done an exceptionally good job. So. I would partially disagree. Like some of the the the, the skins and perma camos have been like they're, they're of quite a mixed quality. Like some of them come out looking really nice, and they're uh, they're just you know you can tell they've had a lot of thought put into them. And others are just they kind of look like the intern designed them, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. Are you are you a big fan of the the beer can? Uh... Um, I don't uh, hate them. The, was it, oh. Yeah, the Roma, and I've got the 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 Marto one as well. I think they gave mm. us them at some point. But yeah, I, I, I kind of like them. Oh, and the, is it the key that also has one of those designed by that guy? Uh, the... uh, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
the key has a very pretty one, and the Yamato has the one with the huge range find, uh, rangefinder. Yeah, and, it's, yeah, the crossbars. I, I find that that's amazing. I'm not such a fan of the Roma beer can. That's uh, not, not mm, quite my thing. Yeah, yeah. How the, was uh, Sorry, I'm just reading uh, chat, but um, it was well received at the time. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it looked pretty yeah. like old world of tanks. Still, I mean, there's videos on my channel of how it used to look, and uh, it's it's really. Well, these days, you would look back at it and think, "Oh, that must be a mobile game or something with that level of graphics." <laughs> Yeah. Well, what was it? What ship? Uh, the Hugo received, uh, you know, the uh, lacquer. Um, yeah, that was a nice one. Uh, lacquered uh, yeah. camo. That is really attractive. And the, there's um, an upcoming one for the Chung Mu based on the, yeah. um, what were they called? The turtle ships, the Korean mm. sort of 15th, 16th century ships that, like, that. that's, oh, I, I really like that. I actually kind of like the paper lantern look ones as well, to be yeah, honest. Those, I know they're not everyone's cup of tea, but... Yeah. yeah, I thought those were quite attractive as yeah. well. Which it makes it kind of a shame to take it in a battle and have it get all sort of, like, discolored from the battles, you know, battle activity, but... Yeah. I don't know. That's a certain charm. It is. It is a proper. It's funny though because we started off the game being sort of relatively semi-serious in terms of everything looking kind of like you know actual ships, and then these days we've got all the the wacky Halloween camos and the water world looking rusty camos, and you've you've got spaceship camos, and you've got a Godzilla and King Kong and anime camos, and yeah, it's it's quite eclectic. Maybe not quite so much as some other games out there. I was watching a video the other day on, uh, oh god, it was some Korean MMO anyway, which just has the most bizarre collection of cosmetic. Like it's fantasy set, but you can have your mount be like a taxi or a police car, <laughs> or you can have like you know fake panda hands or. Uh, I think there was there was a tie-in with uh, like you know the the thingy suits from Squid Game was one of the latest mm. costumes in the game, so just completely all over the place. So maybe washing business isn't quite that bad, but it's definitely a long way from uh, any kind of historically you know consistent anything at this point. Well, not that I really, you know, it's not really to, yeah. a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a thing. Agreed. Yeah. I, excuse me. I yeah. I think they're clearly aiming this at different demographics, right? The Transformers, as an example, there <clears throat> there's a very large um, you know demographic in the, the United States that you know grew up with that during the 80s mm -hmm. and then to the 90s, and and so they're they're clearly trying to appeal to that. and that, and all of them are like that. So or most of them are. Very privileged here. I'm going to stroke his belly. I don't get to do that very often. <laughs> Not without getting my hands blended. Mm. It can still happen any second. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Does Sam have a reputation for being quite aggressive? No, he's he's a lovely cat. He's just like most cats in that he mostly doesn't like having his belly touched. Mm. Some cats do, but most cats are kind of iffy about it at best. And Sam, Sam will occasionally let me stroke his belly. And this being one of those times, I guess. You're showing off because you're on camera, aren't you, Sam? That's true. Of course. How about your cats? Um, 
with whiskey and it was Sabrina, did you say was the other one, correct? Uh, whiskey loves getting his belly scratched and Sabrina is partially a trap. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on her mood, she either start, she either just lets you or she starts to play. Starts to play okay. means obviously your hands the toy. Right, right, exactly. You're wear, you have to wear a glove. Okay, got it. I saw one of my cats growing up that was 100% of the time. If she showed you her belly, it was it was do not touch ever, mm. <laughs> ever, ever. Mm. You would regret it. Now, Sam named for the, the fabled cat? Partly, yes. Unsinkable mm. Sam, but also partly after Sam Vimes from the Discworld mm. series. I don't know if you've ever read those. So. I know of it, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so. <laughs> what are you doing, you mad beast? We're, we're, we've sort of hijacked Aiden's well, agenda here. This, this is <laughs> the no, no, community cat's tribute to podcast. So. I see. Oh, well yeah. done, Sam. Thank we, you. We knew we would eventually talk about cats, so we've covered ourselves with the name. I think, got it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm looking forward, coming back to the, the uh, Warships topic, I'm definitely looking forward to the updated maps. I've always been a big fan of uh, Warrior's Path, so I'm really curious. Because they have the they have sort of the very Füssen-style, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Neuschwanstein castle that's on the sort of the southwestern quadrant of the map. And, and so I'm really curious to see what they end up doing with that, so... Yeah, I don't think it's on any of the screenshots they have shown so far. No, but it's clear which which map it is. So they've given it yeah. sort of a fall foliage st- style um, with that. Uh, the, the maps that are getting changed are Trap, Tears of the Desert, Warrior's Path, and Solomon Islands. I'm also wondering if they're going to, uh, like, besides the reshirts, I suspect they might just rework them a little bit, maybe change some islands a little bit and stuff like that. In, ter- in terms of their, like, not just making aesthetic changes, but actually yeah, change, but game, like, gameplay changes, like making an island a bit higher, lower, or wider, or so on. I mean, yeah. uh, in, in they used to do that a lot, that they kept, like, rebalancing or changing maps in, in previous, well, I mean, I haven't done much with maps in the previous years, but now that they are reworking it, I think, didn't they change, like, for example, the channel a little bit in Two Brothers? There weren't any like real major changes, I think, with the right. the updated maps, but there were some islands got slightly different. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did make a, f- a few changes in there. I mean, one map that actually that I that actually there's two maps that I really miss uh, from my earlier wargaming day or warship days was the first was the um, the previous iteration of Islands of Ice where the the domination was vertical rather than horizontal like mm-hmm. we have now. That I used to like that map. I used to like that map. And the other map that I I miss uh, is uh, shards. Shards used to be a mid tier map. Uh, that was predominantly for tier. If I don't know if you remember, but uh, uh, shards uh, was uh, more for tiers five through seven. I think eights can show up on it as well occasionally. But uh, that the the old version of shards I really miss uh, a great deal because I had a, a lot of very positive uh, memories uh, in games on that on that old map. So I was kind of bummed when they when they changed it up and turned it into a higher high tier map. So it's been a long time. I don't think I quite remember how the old shards looked like. 
Well, you still you still had sort of that diagonal arrangement. Um, so mm-hmm. they well, first of all, they obviously made the map bigger, right? Because yeah. they've got the higher tier ships on it. But it had um, the the center was didn't have those big island formations on the north and south sides. You had an island that was in the middle, um, a little one. Um, but uh, the but there were islands on the sort of the uh, east and west side. Uh, that sort of contained the middle, um, and but I again I had some you know very fond memories mm-hmm. not long after I picked up the Sharn Horse to playing playing on that old map. So yeah, I'm also like I'm I'm playing mostly tier seven to tier ten these days, and then when I take out a lower tier ship or tier five, and I'm on the low tier maps again, it it gives us a certain nostalgia. <laughs> also, it's it can be like really fun again seeing more low tier maps. Yeah. Well, in fact, one of the maps of Scanning Overhaul is Solomon Islands, right? And I, I have yes. lots of memories of playing, you know, early my early days on Solomon Islands. And in fact, that's that that map, if I remember correctly, has gone through a couple of iterations even before this this one uh, is being introduced. And in fact, if I remember correctly, they uh, one of the 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 last time it went through it, it had sort of that valley that was formed on the southwest mm-hmm. on the South Island that you can actually, you can't sail through, but you could fire across uh, North yeah. South, uh, which we you, you used to not be able to do. Yeah. I think like here, yeah, that there is a picture I think here of this is, is this yeah, exactly. with, yep. with the yeah, river the right through it. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly the one. Yeah, because if I remember correctly, it was all fairly uniform height, and you could, and you mm-hmm. had these this very long space where you basically couldn't see each other. You, and so this actually provides a mechanism that, at least for the larger capital ships, they'll be visible to each other between you know through that valley. So. What I'd also right, so, like. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I'd also like to see them like uh, rework some of the the. Map. I don't know. Do, do you guys enjoy mountain range? I I just I don't know. I feel like mountain range. It, it has gone through a few changes in its lifetime, but they haven't touched it in a long time. And I st- I don't know. I just don't like it. I have. Are there any maps that you that really is. hate? Mountain range doesn't appeal to me as much. Um, the. Uh, Especially oh, if you're in a, um, I find that um, it gets way. I mean, more campy than usual mm. uh, on the on on the east and west side because they have these sort of very dense island clusters, right? Mm. And and there and I that doesn't really appeal to me. Um, so that aspect is less less interesting plus with that very large sort of central island uh, island formation down the the sort of the uh western third of the map you know that isolates alpha from bravo and charlie you know that has a huge influence on players ability to sort of control the map because it's a lot easier to control bravo from charlie than it is from alpha and so i you know maybe that makes it tactically more interesting uh, but for the eighty percent of players who aren't, you know, into the really hardcore tactics and things like that, it to me it becomes kind of a, a big psychological barrier. It's definitely one of those. It's like I, if I'm playing that one, I always got a sinking feeling if I see everyone or you know two thirds of the team 
be lining for the A cap. You just know you're going to lose at that point. (laughs) Right, exactly, because they're they're cutting themselves off. There are very few firing opportunities from there to the eastern side, right? So, um, and again, maybe that's maybe that's intentional. Maybe that's part of like if you're thinking tactically that that's you know that's uh, that's meaningful. Uh, In fact, neighbors has a lot of that those qualities as well. There's people tend to gravitate towards Charlie because there's all this island cover. But it becomes, uh, if you don't know how to play it well, it basically becomes a trap. It's uh, it conceals you, it, it constrains you to those areas, which is why I tend to prefer to go and take Alpha and then control from Bravo. And you just if everybody stays in Charlie and you can just pick them off from there, that's fine. Uh, that tends to work, you know, pretty well. Uh, but neighbors, uh, but yeah, I, mountain mountain range um, is one. Um, Tears of the Desert is better than it used to be. You know, there was a reason it was yep. called Tears of the Cruisers uh, when they, when it had a lot more open space in the mid. Um, that one's better. Um, that one, though, I used to not be a very big fan of, uh, the old Tears of the Desert when it was first introduced. Um, but other than that, yeah, maybe not. I mean, there are, like I said, there are some maps I would prefer to see the what they had originally. Uh, only because, just from a common nostalgia perspective, because it's what I was used to. Um, I kind of felt like what they did with uh, with shards is that they repurposed a map. They said we need to have more high tier maps, and rather than engineering a brand new one, they they repurposed one that they that they already had. So that's what it kind of felt like. I'm actually Cap just... Monitor stepped away. Cap Monitor, take care. Yeah, you have to go and do mm-hmm. a beer thing. Super yes, that, yeah. Yeah, that's his, that's his uh, lifeblood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed uh, there is... I'll see if I can get the link for this, but uh, Flammy was actually only about an hour ago uh, tweeted out the internal armor scheme for the Atlantico. Uh, which is okay. something we were talking about last week and speculating on what the armor would be like. And, mm. uh, yeah, got a very interesting internal armor. It almost looks like the um, the the rebuilt uh, Italian kind of uh, battleship armor scheme, where it's, it's going to be re- really hard to citadel. So... Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, a lot of it could it, so. still change, right? I don't think they've even started yeah. testing it yet. Yeah, obviously oh, I can't. It's interesting, oh, though, because yeah, it just so. reminded me of what we were talking about earlier with, with you know, people wanting the 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 US, the, the Tillman or the super standards or whatever you want to call it, that side branch to be slow and tanky and have really good secondaries. And that kind of looks like what the Atlantico is going to be. Mm slow and tanky and really good secondaries. Right, right. But it's also, I mean, if they, if they introduce a ship line like that or ships like that, they're also going to have some very, uh, you, you have to be um, some very good situational awareness to know when it makes sense to push in. I mean, we see this today with the, with the original German battleships. Like everybody's like, I'm in the Bismarck, I'm in the, you know, the Friedrich, you know, or the Kurfürst. And, you know, I've, I still see players just like 
marching in. I'm the big bad German battleship with the you know super turtleback and the super secondaries, and they just get you know they get melted in the first you know five minutes. Um, and you know you have to know when it makes sense to push in. Uh, you know when you have the advantage, and 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 that's a skill that requires development. Um, and you know th this could go could be similar, right? And people are going to see these videos. You, know, you see players have these. Uh, you know the very skilled players have these videos of radar minotaurs and all these sort of specialized game ex mechanics and experiences. Uh, but they it comes with a lot of skill development in order to pull that off. And I, I don't know if you know ships like that could end up. Uh, you know, require that as well, like the Atlantica. We'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, well, a, a lot of it will depend on how, like, the, the, the secondaries look interesting, let's say. How how they perform will determine a lot, I guess, about this ship. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 I think the first time we talked, uh, we had Drakkar, we... we uh, uh, we joked about there, because he, he reckoned it, what was it going to be? Was it Vickers Armstrong, or it was some? It was a British shipyard that the Atlantic Co looks to be based on a design mm. prop, anyway. That we were joking, you know, we might get like a, a Vickers Tech tree. So maybe that's what <laughs> they have in mind for, for you know, the South American <laughs> line, maybe. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it definitely feels like uh, you know a lot of the new content has been oriented towards sort of the, well, at least is characterized in their in the way they they've been described as being sort of mid-range ships right that i kind of feel like there's less content that that you know supports sort of the long-range uh gunnery sort of experiences you know the you know and a lot of the ships including the new you know uh dutch cruisers and things are really sort of intended for more of the mid-range action you know is this on purpose to like get players to play closer together get our opponents to play closer together and you know not rely on the you know the 20 plus kilometer firing ranges that you know we've classically seen with uh you know especially the battleships i don't know they're just again personal speculation but um but we'll have to see we'll have to see well i mean better that than going down the trend of having everything be like the Soviet, you know, the, the original, original concept for the Soviet battleships where it was going to be super accurate at long range. Right, right. And they were going to have the radar that can only detect, you know, battleships and, and carriers at, what was it, like 15 kilometers or something like that. So the <laughs> original concept, you know, designs. So, I mean, people have been complaining for years that, you know, about too much long-range sniping and the game too passive and battleships that just camp in the back. And Wargaming has just uh, camped, like, developing long-range sniping ships and then they uh, had Dead Eye and they were like, this is perfectly fine, this is what the game needs. And then with Dead Eye, may maybe it was an actual wake-up call. There I hope that they'd be like, hey, uh, maybe the community has a point there. That's not really how this should be going. Who knows? Right. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but again, we we've also seen that a lot of things have changed since August, or at least I perceive that there's been quite a few changes yeah. in terms of communication and so on. And so, and you know, there I don't know that they've been perfect, and, and they probably can't be. But um, they, I think they've made a good faith effort to try to improve the um, rapport building 
with the community, uh, especially around the communication, even if you, like I said, even if you don't agree with all the decisions, but yeah, I, I, and, and maybe part of that was the dead eye question. So. Yeah, so I basically we've covered all the topics we've planned so far. So does if I don't know, do you have any topics you still want to talk about, or are there any questions in chat? That I was legendary messed up. Yeah, and that's going to happen, right? Even if it's the best, you know the, you know even if it's a game developer that has an impeccable reputation, everybody you know makes mistakes. That's okay. Um, so long as you just recognize them. And again, we're not playing this game for the rent, you know, for the rent money. So, you know, if mistakes happen, you know, it gets changed and we move on. So, yeah, what annoyed me about that, I was not necessarily that it happened in the first place, but how long it took them to respond to it. Because yeah, they could the, have responded, yes. they could have fixed this in a month, and they took what three, four months or so to fix that obvious issue. Yeah, I mean it's the it's the it's the relationship you have with the player community that to me is more important. So I agree with you. Like I mean, as you said, everybody makes mistakes, but it's about like for example now with with the the bug, they actually addressed it. They had a bug, they hot fixed it within a week. That's 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 okay, right? If you if you make a mistake, you just fix it. But if you have a mistake, then you just keep it around for months because sure. reasons that. That's right. what I have real issues with. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So I, <laughs> I... I guess otherwise we'll just uh, call it a night here. Okay, well, what do, what do you usually do after your stream, so... Or um, after this interview segment? Do you go off into Division and do the game, or... You, uh, no, I usually, usually feed do? my cats or they feed on me. <laughs> and then, I mean, it's, it's, uh, well, I mean, it's a Friday, but it's, you know, uh, half past 10 p.m. here already, so. Okay, great. Well, I don't want to keep you too late. I want to thank uh, both of you for having me on. It was a, a genuine pleasure and really flattered that you had me here. So, uh, for folks in the audience, uh, again, my name is Anilar Horum. I'm, well, you can just call me Ilar. That's usually what most people call me. I mean, Eagle in Scots Gaelic, uh, a nod to my Scots, uh, Scottish heritage. Um, and if you'd like to see, uh, see me, I'm usually on during the weekends. I'm located on the West Coast of North America, so UTC minus eight. Uh, for those of you from a time zone conversion perspective, uh, usually on starting around 12 noon my time, which is going to be 2,000 hours UTC. Uh, for usually four or five hours on both Saturday and Sunday. Sometimes I squeak, uh, slide in some stream days uh, during the week, especially now that we're uh, heading into the holiday period. I should have some more flexibility. I'll probably be streaming additional time. Love you to come by, say hello. We do give, obviously, have Twitch drops and giveaways and things like that. And uh, so thank you, both of you, gentlemen, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we were glad to have you. Yep. Well, I wish you both a terrific rest of your weekend uh, and happy holidays. Are either of you going anywhere for the holidays? Just to my parents, pretty much. So. 
your parents in the area or are they? Uh, yeah. Oh, my, my father's stepmother live here. Yeah. I see. Okay. I'm going to visit my parents too, but I'll actually have to cross the border because they live in Switzerland and I live in Austria. It doesn't ah. make it a very long trip, but these days borders can be problematic, although they seem open right now. Yeah. So do, are you more on the western side of of Austria, like Vorarlberg? Or I'm you... not quite in Vorarlberg. I'm in uh, Innsbruck in, in Tirol. Uh, I see. But yeah, oh, I'm, see. I'm in the bottom, like, sausage part, or how you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I know where Innsbruck is. So, okay, very cool. All right, good. All right, well, take care, gentlemen. Thank you again. Uh, wish your audience a terrific uh, weekend as well, and uh, we'll catch you later. Yep. Thanks, everyone, for joining us, and bye. Bye.